Uh, and um, we started this morning in Sunday school doing a study on the book of Genesis. And I want to encourage you, if you don't normally come to Sunday school, we're going to be dealing over the next several weeks the issue of creation and dealing with the, the uh, practical side of some things that we're having to face and deal with in the day that we live. Uh, we're facing a time where our society has pretty much uh, accepted uh, evolution as a fact. And the sad thing that I'm finding more and more is, as a pastor is that there are people in our churches, in Bible-preaching churches. I was telling our Sunday school class, I was talking to a relative of mine just a few months ago, and uh, he goes to church, loves the Lord, uh, is saved, but yet holds to the fact that the creation story in Genesis is not literally true. And um, so I want to encourage you, if, um, if you have not bumped into this issue in your life, it's a matter of time before you will. Uh, there are people out there that are dealing with this issue. And it's critical and, and must be something that we become grounded in. Uh, and as I shared this the Sunday school class this morning, the importance of it is if we cannot be solid on Genesis 1, how do we know what else in the Bible we can or cannot trust? We must believe it to be what it says. And uh, so... I want to encourage you, we started this morning, and uh, we'll be doing that for several weeks now, uh, dealing with the creation story. Then we'll probably go ahead and move through the rest of the book of, um, of Genesis and uh, go up all the way through the flood and Abraham and the children of Israel going into uh, Egypt. And so a lot of things in the book of Genesis. It's amazing how much history... Uh, as far as uh, you look at the overall history of mankind from the beginning of uh, the book of Genesis, how much of it is covered in one book. And um, we get through about a third of man's history or so, maybe a fourth of man's history somewhere in there, all in one book. So a lot to study in there over the next several weeks. And so hope to see you in Sunday school at 10 o'clock as we look at those things and be praying about that. Job chapter number one, <coughs> years ago, I was going through some difficult times uh, in my life, and God had brought some trials into my life. And um, one of the things that I struggled with is, uh, is this the Lord's chastening? The Bible does say that whom the Lord loveth, he scourgeth and chasteneth every son. Or is this the trying of my faith, which James speaks about the trying of our faith, working patience, letting patience have her perfect work. And sometimes... When trials come into our lives, it's difficult for us to know. And uh, I preached a message back then on the question, am I a Job or a Jonah? And the truth is, a lot of times we struggle with knowing when we're going through some of these times, is this God's testing of my faith or is this God's chastening? The key to that, and that's not our message this morning, but the key to that question, I believe very much so, is uh, when those times come into our lives, I believe there are always times for us to look at our hearts and our lives and lay them alongside of Scripture and find out, is there something that I am I'm doing uh, contrary to Scripture that God is trying to get my attention on? Or are these things I've been faithful in? It's not that I don't ever fail Him, but my heart's desire and um, passion is to, to do the things of the Lord. And I think for a large part, it's an issue of the heart. And have we grown cold and callous? Are we running from God? Are we 
trying to get away from what we know God wants us to do or to do things that we know God does not want us to do? Or are we in a, a, a position of sensitivity to what God wants and a longing to do what God wants? And I, so I believe that makes the big difference there. But in studying on the book of Job, it's interesting to me how God treats Job and then how Job responds to that. What do you do when you go through some of the trials of life? Um, some of the things, the burdens that we go through, I think this is an area that a lot of our churches and a lot of our pastors neglect in dealing with their people on because uh, for whatever reason, we, we maybe, I, I don't know, maybe they just don't have the answer to it or they don't know how to respond to these things. But we find a tremendous example given to us in Scripture by Job as a man who was being tried and going through some very difficult circumstances. And I want us to look at some principles that we can learn from Job today, if we would. Look in Job chapter 1. The Bible says in verse number 1, There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was perfect. Now, that does not mean he was sinless. It just means he was a man of maturity, a man who longed to do the things of the Lord. But he was a, a perfect, and the Bible says here, an upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. We don't use that word eschewed very much anymore, but it's a hatred towards, it is a disdain for, it is uh, the complete opposite of being accepting of. And uh, I'll tell you this, there is a tremendous problem in our world today, in, in 2019, of men, even Christian men and women, uh, allowing evil to be a part of their lives and not hating it. Uh, I'm not saying that they go out and try to do things, but I, I came across a situation several months ago where uh, someone was involved in something that was completely contrary to Scripture. And one of the things that was such a sad commentary was how many of that person's Christian friends gathered around them and said, well, you deserve to be happy. You deserve to be happy. Don't listen to people that are trying to tell you that this is wrong. And can I tell you this, that if I truly love somebody, I'm going to try to tell them where they're wrong, not in an arrogant and a judgmental attitude or spirit, but in a helpful and a restoring attitude. Because I love them, I care about them. If I didn't care about them, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say a word to them. But for God's people to come alongside of somebody and that is absolutely blatantly contrary to what the Bible says and to kind of coddle them and say it's okay as long as you're happy, folks, there is something drastically wrong in our hearts. The Bible talks about this man, Job, who was an upright man, a perfect man, a man who had a heart for God, he loved God, he feared God, and the Bible says here, and eschewed evil. He had a disdain for it. He had a hatred for it. He had th it was nothing that he liked about evil ways. And the Bible says in verse number 2, And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 she-asses, and a great, very great household, so that his, this man was the greatest, notice this, of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one on his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. Now, I'm going to stop right there for a moment, and uh, we're going to make a comment or two. We'll have a word of prayer, and we'll jump into this. 
But I want you to notice that God had blessed Job. And while this isn't the thrust of our message this morning, I want us to understand this, that when we walk with the Lord and when we, we have a heart and a pursuit of living a life that is pleasing to Him, God does put His hand of blessing upon us. Now, that does not mean that everything is going to go our way, as we're going to see here shortly in Job's life. But rest assured that God's hand of blessing is upon you. And it may not be material. It may be in the area that God brings things in your life that brings great peace, maybe great health, different things like that. But God will bring some blessings into our lives. Don't, don't hold to the fact that it will all be that way. That's the difference where a lot of preachers are preaching today that God does not will for anybody to suffer. The truth of the matter is there are times that God will take a man or a woman that has had great blessings of God upon their life and bring them to some of the lowest places in their life. And what do we do when that happens? Let's pray and then we'll look at it. Father, we're so thankful for your word. I pray that you'll help us once again to learn this thing from Job. Use it in a very special way. In Jesus' name, amen. And his sons went and feasted in their house, verse number four, every one his day, and sent and called for the three sisters to eat and drink with them. And it was so that when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. So he was worried and concerned for his family. Now there was a day, verse number 6, when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? And Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power, only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing, and the asses feeding beside them. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone, I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there was also another, and said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven, and hath burned up the sheep and the servants, and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, The Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and have carried them away, yea, and slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. Behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon the young men, and they are dead, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. Could, could we agree this morning that Job went through something that 
not any of us have ever had to go through. We're talking about trial upon trial upon trial, and each of these took place while the one servant was yet telling him about the disaster, the next servant came in the door and began to speak to him again of the loss that he had suffered. At this point, Job has suffered the loss of all of his wealth and material things. He's suffered the loss of all of his children. It's just him, his wife, and these few servants that had survived. It's all that's left of what God had blessed Job with. And the truth of the matter is, if we look at the circumstances that Job found himself in, we would have to say that perhaps there are times in our life that we go through some very deep and dark burdens and circumstances, but probably none as deep as what Job had been through. And Job is is going to ask God some questions, and we're going to look at those questions here. He's going to ask him three specific questions. And I've thought of this often as I, my dad years ago preached a message that I'll never forget that was entitled, It's Okay to Ask Why. And there are times that Job answered or asked God questions and the Bible said, yet with his mouth he sinned not against the Lord. And there are times that we may not understand what God is putting us through, but there are times we ought to ask him, Lord, what is it you're trying to show me? I know these trials are coming, and they're here for a purpose. And we're going to look at some principles that Job does here that I want to challenge and encourage us to have in our lives. As we go on, the Bible says here in verse number 20, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down among the ground and wor- upon the ground and worshipped. That's not the response that you normally would see from such a loss, is it? For somebody to run to the Lord Jesus Christ. I've said this so often before that when trials come that are very dire upon our lives, usually there's one of two things that happens. We either get bitter and angry at God and run from Him and say, Lord, if that's what you're going to do, then I'm going to not have any part of it. Or we run to Him as our only source of strength and say, Lord, I cannot make it through this without your strength and without your help. Job was one of these folks who, when these problems came up, the very first thing on his heart, the very first thing that he thought to do was to run to God and to say, God, I'm going to worship you because even though I don't understand what's going on with my life and what you're doing, I do know that you are a God that is in control of everything that is happening to me. In verse 21, he says, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return Thither the Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Notice this phrase, Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in his trials, one of the greatest things that Job could do (coughs) was to bless the name of the Lord. Years ago, my sister was in a, a trio at college, and they had a song that they sang when they toured with it. And one of the songs they sang was entitled, God Wants to Hear You Sing When the Waves Are Crashing Around You. When the fiery darts surround you, when your strength is almost gone, God wants to hear you sing. To give praises in the valley. You remember the story of Paul and Silas had been beaten and thrown into the innermost part of the jail, the dirtiest, most vile part, and at midnight they're singing and praising God. Their sores, I'm sure, were dire. The pain that they endured was great. 
And yet they praised God in the valley. What's one of the responses that we ought have as Christians when God brings us through the valley? The first one I find is we ought to be praising Him. You say, Brother Greg, that's hard to do. And I'll admit to you, that's hard to do. It's a simple thought and it's a simple truth, but it's very, very difficult to practice, isn't it? It's hard to give thanks to God when the pain is there. It's hard to worship and praise Him when the pain is coming. But when we worship God and we praise God and thank Him for these things, what we're saying in essence is, God, we trust You. We don't understand it, but we trust You. We trust that everything that You do in my life and allow it happen in my life is going to be for my good and for Your glory. And while I may not understand it and while I may not enjoy this time of trial, I can certainly praise You for it and thank You for it. This was the heart of Job. The heart that he came to the Lord and asked three questions. When God saw the questions that Job asked, understanding that they were not questions of rebellion and questions of ridicule and questions of condemning God for His unjustness, they were questions to try to understand what it was that God wanted him to know. Look with me, if you will, in chapter number 3, and we'll look at the first question that Job asks. <clears throat> Job chapter number 3. In verse number 10, the Bible says, Because it shut not up the doors of my mother's womb, nor hid sorrow from mine eyes. Why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? The first question that God asked Job is, God, if you were going to allow this to happen in my life, Why was I born? Why didn't I die at childbirth? If you knew in your foreknowledge that these things would happen in my life, why did you allow me to be born? And I want you to notice that God doesn't answer. I don't know if you've been there before, but there's times that I've wondered and I've contemplated the idea that if God knew the heartache that would come into my life, why would He allow the life to ever have existed in the first place? And Job asked that question. He said, why did I not die when my mother gave birth to me? Why did you allow this to continue to go on? You can read down further through there as he deals with verse number 12. Why did the knees prevent me or why did the breast that I should suck? For now, should I have lain still and been quiet, I should have slept. Then I, had I been at rest with kings and counselors of the earth which built desolate places for themselves or with the princes that had gold who filled their houses with silver or as in hidden untimely birth I had not been as infants which never saw light where the wicked cease from troubling and the weary be at rest. Job was saying, God, why? Why was I even born if this was going to be the end of my life? If this was going to be all that there was I don't know if you've ever gotten to that point of frustration before. I don't know if you've ever gotten to the place where you ask God, why did you even let me be born? I don't know if you've gotten to the point where the pain has been so great, the circumstances have been so dire that we said, Lord, why did you even let me exist? And God doesn't answer Job. Not yet. 
Let's look at the second question that God answered, asked Job. Let's turn to Job chapter number 9 and verse number 7. Job chapter number 9 and verse number 7. I'm going to back up. We'll start in verse number 1 and read down through verse 7 if you will. Then Job answered and said, I know it is of a truth, but how should man be just with God? If he will contend with him, he cannot answer him in one of a thousand. He is wise in heart and mighty in strength, who hath hardened himself against him and hath prospered, which removeth the mountains and they know not, which overturneth them in his anger, which shaketh the earth out at her place and the pillars thereof tremble, which commandeth the sun and it riseth not and sealeth up the stars. Job was asking God, he said, Lord, how can a man be just with you? How can we be right with you? It's useful, useless, it's, it's futile for man to wrestle with God. For God controls all of these things. How can a man be just with God? Lord, why did you let me be born? How can I ever meet the standard of a just God? And Job understands the futility of it. And I want you to notice also that he says in chapter number 14, the third question that he asks. Job chapter number 14 and verse number 14. He asks God, if a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. And in all three of these questions, God does not answer Job. Job asks them. But I want you to notice something, that even though Job had a a heart of worship, look with me, if you will, in Job chapter number 23. I want you to see some of the things that Job knew, even in the course of asking God these questions. Job chapter 23, verse number 1, Then Job answered and said, Even today is my complaint bitter, my stroke is heavier than my groaning. This, this is the burden that he's under. This is the sorrow that his heart is bearing. And by this point, his wife has forsaken him. By this point, his friends have come and forsaken him. By this point, Satan has been allowed to touch his body. And he says in verse number 3, Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say unto me. Will he plead against me with his great power? No, but he would put strength in me. There the righteous might dispute with him, so should I be delivered forever from my judge. Behold, I go forward, he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him, and he hideth himself on the right hand, that I cannot see him. You ever been there where Job's at? He couldn't find God. He said, God, I, I want you to draw near. I want to be able to ask these things. I want to be able to know and understand your heart. He said, I looked before me. I couldn't find him. I looked behind me. I couldn't find him. I looked beside me. I couldn't find him. But he knows that God is a just God. 
Verse number 10, he says, but he knoweth the way that I take. Can I help you with something this morning? It does not matter that we know where God is. What matters is that he knows where we are. He knoweth the way that I take. And that's all I need to know to trust him. That's all I need to know to trust him. That he knoweth the way that I take. Whether I can see him or not, whether I can feel him in the situation or not, whether I feel close to him in the valley or not, I can trust in this one truth. He knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Oh, what an amazing thought. He knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. All of this, Job is pleading. God is, uh, Job is seeking God. God is remaining strangely quiet through most all of this. We come to chapter 38 of the book of Job. And God begins to answer Job. And he answers Job with a bunch of questions. The Bible says in verse number 1, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? What a question. Job, you're questioning me over these things? Where were you when I was forming the earth? Laying the foundations of it. Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measure thereof, if thou knowest? Or who hath stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. He's saying, Job, were you there? Or who shut up the sea with the doors when it break forth, as if it had issued out of the womb? When I made the cloud, the garment thereof, and thick darkness a swaddling band for it, and break up for it my decreed place, and set bars and doors. He said, Hitherto shalt thou come, but no further, and here shall thy proud waves be stayed. All of nature is in God's control. He said, Job, where were you? Can you answer this? Hast thou commanded the morning since thy days, and caused the day spring to know his place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth, that the wicked might be shaken out of it? It is turned as clay to the seal, they stand as a garment, and from the wicked their light is withholden, and the high arm shall be broken. Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea, or hast thou walked in the search of the depth? Have the gates of death been opened unto thee? Or hast thou seen the doors of the shadow of death? 
Hast thou perceived the breath of the earth? Declare if thou knowest it all. Where is the way where light dwelleth? As for darkness, where is the place thereof? That thou shouldest take it to the bound thereof, and that thou shouldest know the paths to the house thereof. Knowest thou it, because thou wast not then born, or thou wast born, because the number of thy days is great? And God goes on and asks over 66 different questions to Job. And Job doesn't have an answer for them. And God did not intend for Job to answer any one of the questions. What God was intending for Job to realize is that Job, regardless of what takes place in your life, one thing you must rest assured upon (coughs) is that I am in control. I have set these things in place. And none of this will be a problem for you to understand and to be able to trust. Some of his friends had come to him. And tried to shake, in his, shake his faith. And God asked him, he said, Who is this that darkeneth your understanding with words without understanding? Don't let your faith be shaken. There will come people along your life during some of the darkest times of your life that will try to give you all the reasons in the world why you're going through what you're going through. Can I tell you this? If upon looking at your heart and realizing that your desire is to love the Lord with all of your heart, to follow after Him, these problems are in your life, then we can worship God and give Him thanks because of who He is. And our faith must remain strong in Him because He knoweth the way that I take. And when I am tried, I shall come forth as gold. We must understand the greatness of God, that God has all of these things in His hand. And then we come to the very end, as the Bible is very clear that Job remained faithful, even in asking the questions. (coughs) Understanding the truth of God. We find as we get to chapter number 42... And we'll begin in verse number 7. Let's back up to verse number We'll read the chapter. It's, it's, we need to read it from the beginning. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do, what's the next two words? Everything. After all that Job had been through, after the questions that he's asked, and after the responses that God gives him, this is Job's answer. I know that thou canst do everything. And that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. For what a statement. God, I don't only, I've not only heard of you now, but I've seen you. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Can I tell you this? There are two things that will change our life. When we see God as He really is, and when we see ourselves the way that God sees us. 
it will cause us to live a whole different life than we've ever lived before. And Job got to that point in verses 5 and 6. Verse number 7, it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you. For him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly. In that ye have not spoken of me the thing which is right, like my servant Job. So Eliphaz the Temanite, and Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite, went and did according to the Lord, as the Lord commanded them. And the Lord also accepted Job. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came there unto him all his brethren and all his sisters, and all they that had been his acquaintance before, and did eat bread with him in his house. And they bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money, and every one an earring of gold. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 she-asses. He had also seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first Jemima and the name of the second Kizai and the name of the third Kenahap. Yeah, they get all these good names. Kenahapuk. And in all the land where there were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. After this lived Job a hundred and forty years and saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. What did Job learn? What did Job learn? He learned that even in the valley, God is faithful. And God is true. And even in the valley, when we don't understand and when we are at our wit's end, in Psalm 107 it says, And stagger as a drunken man, because we cannot bear the weight of the oppression. God is faithful. And the response that we ought have is to speak good of the Lord. To put our faith in Him. To run to Him. To cling to Him as our only source of strength. Job said, I've not only heard of you now, Lord. I've seen you. In two different times in Job 42, the Bible says that God said that Job had spoken good of the Lord. His friends had not. God judged his friends and said, you need to get some things right. When problems come into our life, when testing comes into our life, when trials come into our life, do we praise God or do we speak ill of Him? I'm not saying that there's never a time that we don't question and say, God, what's, what's going on? I don't understand. But do our hearts trust in Him? Do we get to the point where we can rejoice to realize that He knows the way that I take? <coughs> There are many times in our life that we'll come into trials and not know how to respond. I've had times where people have called me and said, 
Can you be praying, Pastor? I've got this issue going on in my life, and I just don't know what to do. There's been times in my life I've called others and said, Can you be praying? I don't know what to do. One thing we know for certain, we can trust God. One thing we can know for certain is His ways are far above our ways. That He does have a purpose. And while we may not understand or see His purpose, we can always trust His purpose. For we weren't there when He formed the world. We weren't there when He did all these mighty works for His own purposes. We can simply trust the fact that He loves us and everything He does is for our good and for His glory. So what do we do when these things happen? We can do like Job. We can run to God. Say, God, the only way I'm going to make it through this is with your strength. With your strength. Let's not get bitter at him. Job's wife came to him and said, just curse God and die, Job. Just curse God and die. Very bitter. And I hope this will be a help to some folks. Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed. Father, we're thankful for your word. I pray that you'll use the lessons we've learned from Job, some principles. Lord, you are far above what we can ever even ask or think. We don't understand your ways. Your ways are far above ours. But, Lord, we can trust them. While we don't always understand the things that may happen in our lives, we can trust that it's for our good and for your glory. I pray that you would help us to remain faithful to you. When those trials come, I pray that you would help us to have strength of character and strength of faith, to be able to endure through it faithful. Lord, we're resting assured this morning that you are always faithful to us. I pray that you would help us to be more faithful to you in the areas that we lack faith, the areas that our faith may shake, be shaken. I pray that you would strengthen us. As the man cried out in the New Testament, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. And Lord, some of us need to have a place and a time where we get alone with you and say, Lord, there are times that I doubt, there are times that I don't understand. Lord, help me to trust you. Help me to rest assured in your hand upon my life. Lord, I pray that you would help it to be an encouragement to someone, maybe strengthen their faith. I don't know any of the folks that may be going through some times right now, but Lord, if they're not going through them currently, then certainly they will be at some point. And I pray that when those times come, that we will look at this lesson and these truths from your word, and be able to sing and to be able to worship during the valleys, to be able to be faithful in our, our faith to you and be unshaken. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We have just a hymn of invitation with heads bowed and eyes closed. And if God has spoken to your heart today, perhaps you need to come do business with Him. Maybe there's been some times that you've allowed your faith to be shaken. Maybe there's other times that you can think of that instead of running to God, you ran from Him. Maybe you need to recommit some things to Him today. Lord, I want to be faithful in these areas. Would you come as the piano and organ play?